This podcast was recorded and produced before the COVID-19 uncertainty, but we believe this is still a message we can apply to our current circumstances. Thanks for tuning in today. Enjoy. This episode of Shut the Shut Up was created in partnership with Open Arms International, helping children in Kenya experience the hope of the gospel and the love of a family. Learn more at openarmsinternational.org. Ever feel like you've got to get your should together? Is your should about to hit the fan? Have you been sitting in your shoulds for most of your life, wondering if you could be more, see more, do more? Welcome to Shut the Should Up with Candace Payne and Jenny Randolph. We're both authors and speakers who want to stomp out your flaming bag of should. With a whole lot of faith together, let's sort through the pain, purpose, and promise to find freedom in the things we tell ourselves we should and should not do. Because there's so much more in you. Well, hey, everybody. Hey, <laughs> hey, we are back yeah. again. Candace and Jenny are back. It's all right. I don't know. It just felt good. It felt <laughs> good felt to do so that. That felt so good. Man, have you ever had those mornings where everything's a song, Jenny? Because that's where I'm at today. It's continual loop in my head of just different segments of songs that never have a finish to them. Is it so. like Broadway show tunes or what? No, it's pop. And I'm, I find <laughs> myself enjoyable to everybody around me when I'm like this. <laughs> not so much, not so much. Listen, today we are jumping into a topic that I feel very passionate about. And here's why I feel passionate about it. Um, this is one of those topics for me that is an open-ended question. It's one of those things that I don't know how to do well. I don't know the answers to, and it makes me continually circle back to say, why why is this important? What's so big about this that I'm missing? It feels like a mystery, like a mystery. Um, Today, we we are literally speaking about aligning our should to the way that Jesus equalized everyone. I mean, he makes all of us an equal playing field in the way that he loves, in the way that he forgives, and in the way that he sees. And um, as I was really thinking about this topic, I just want to give them like the backstory if I can. Can I can I jump there so fast and hard? Okay. So as I was looking at a passage in John eight, it says this story of how um, the religious teachers and and scholars and Pharisees broke through this crowd while Jesus was talking and brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. And he made her stand in the middle of everyone. So let's just, you know, I mean, we can all camp on the passage itself. But first off, they didn't bring the man. Let's just (laughs) go ahead and say that. Where is he? Um, But they for sure brought her. And I'm pretty sure if you were in the middle of doing something, you were either half naked or full naked. So I think that that was quite embarrassing. And they said deliberately to Jesus, teacher, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. Doesn't Moses' law command us to stone this woman to death? Tell us. What do you say that we should do with her? And then um, Jesus didn't answer them. Instead, he simply bent down, wrote something in the dust with his finger. Yeah, he did. Okay. (laughs) What? Um, (laughs) And then they kept insisting that he answer their question. And he finally looked up at them and said, let the person that has no sin throw a stone and be the first one to cast a stone at her. And then he bent over again and he wrote some more stuff in the dust. And upon hearing that, all the accusers, they slowly left the crowd one at a time, beginning with the oldest to the youngest, and with a convicted conscience and silence. They, they were just leaving. When I read this story, 
something that I see about Jesus where I'm, I'm asking topically for our podcast listeners, for ourselves, yeah. the should that we should, should do like Jesus, what should we do like him in this moment? How do we love, forgive, equalize? How do we kind of tame this mob mentality? I couldn't think of anybody better to talk to than a good friend of mine, Preston Ulmer. Now, y'all are probably like, Preston, huh? I said Ulmer. That's right. U-L-M-E-R. He is a buddy of mine that we did young adult ministry together in our church. And he actually has started something phenomenal, but I'm going to let him tell you all about that. So if without further ado, I want everybody to give a big hearty welcome and hand clap to Preston joining hey, us today. Well, thanks, Candace. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Now, tell me, what what have you been doing the past few years that I would say we definitely need to hear your opinion on this? Well, definitely hear my opinion. That's a that's a tall order. Uh, I feel like, <laughs> like there's a lot of people qualified to speak on this. But, you know, we started something is four years ago, be five years ago here soon, mm. called the Doubters Club. And that's where we, we actually... I'm going to just say it as simply as possible. We actually model friendship and pursue truth with people who don't think like us. So doubters clubs have to start Mm -hmm. with a person who's a Christian and a person who's not a theist. They're not a Christian, maybe atheist, agnostic, Buddhist, but they just can't think the same way. And there has to be an authentic friendship there. So Wow. That sounds like everything that people that really, I'm serious, like I'm not trying to be uh, churchy here. Every every sincere follower of Jesus that I know, everybody that says that they really do love Jesus, it's, this sounds exactly like something that would pique our interest, that we want to be a part of, and maybe even that we feel lack yeah. in not doing enough. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. it's uh, Since we started it, I'll tell you this. When people come to Doubters, they always ask, and we talk about it, they always ask, what's the format of the Doubters Club? And there is, to the gathering, there is a format, okay? There is like a, here's the five ground rules. But they're ground rules that are so basic. We say we value respect above being right. We listen without interrupting. We listen with an open mind. You know, we we say we don't Mm want to listen with an open mind that's so open our brains fall out, but we don't want them to be so closed (laughs) we don't make friends. So we just go over these ground Mm -hmm. rules. Wow. And in fact... In fact, I remember a time where this guy came in for his first time and he said, he said, had I known these five ground rules, I don't think I'd be on my fifth wife. (laughs) (laughs) I said, brother, it is not these five ground rules that did that, but we we can talk later. (laughs) But yeah, we cover these ground rules and then we actually talk about whatever the group voted on the time before. So... Um, we do it once a month in all of our locations. The reason we don't do it every week is because it'd be too easy for someone who doesn't think like another person to just go, I'll see you next week. And it puts us back in our comfort zone. And if we're talking about equalizing people like Jesus did, Mm. one of the things he didn't do is he didn't look at them like an us versus them. And so we do it once a month so that if, if Jenny, I know, I know Jenny is a Christian, but Jenny is a Christian. And let's say that I'm a atheist that she can't say, Hey, Preston, see you next week. Or she'll have to say, I got to wait a month. Okay. I got to make this thing a lifestyle now. And then we teach people how to do doubters club as lifestyle. Wow. Okay. So, so for physical locations, where do y'all meet? Do you meet in a church? So are people having to go to a church for doubters club or do you meet somewhere else? (laughs) We, 
we never meet in the church. So all the people listening to this, just know I do go to church. I preach at churches and I love the church. Okay. <laughs> the best way to explain it is um, there's a guy named James Ingle and he was, uh, he did a lot of study with uh, human psychology and he essentially talked about what's called the Ingle scale. So if zero mm. is belief in Jesus and positive 10 is Billy Graham or Candace Payne. Okay. That's a positive 10. Okay. Oh no, no. Don't you put me on that same. No, Jenny Randall okay. is where that needs to go. Billy Graham and uh, Jenny I don't Randall. Okay. Well, either way. So positive 10 is the proverbial person that is just so Christ centered and missional living. Okay. So zero to 10 okay. typically, and, and it's not bad, but typically churches will target how do we get people from a zero to a 10, all right? How do we get them wow. to live more Christ-centered, missional, those sort of things? That's that's all really good. But James Ingle said to every positive number, there's a negative number. So there is a negative 10. Mm. And what, is, what does it look like mm. to help the negative 10s move towards a zero or even a, a negative three, like spiritual curiosity? And uh, that just doesn't happen in a church building Negative tens are wow. put off by church. So when yeah. we do Doubters Club trainings, one of the things we say is, you know, we'll give you the rights to Doubters Club once you go through the training. We'll still walk with you and coach you. The only, well, not the only way, but one of the main ways we'll take those rights back is if this takes place in the church because it's no longer wow. for the negative tens. Mm -hmm. So people meet in pokey bars like the tuna, you know, like the de deconstructed tuna bowls. They mostly meet in oh, coffee nice. shops. We have one in Alabama that meets in a Hardee's. <laughs> that, that yes. it's, it's like rural Alabama. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. But it's mostly yes. coffee shops is where they mostly meet. You know what? I This is like a little rabbit trail here. I, I And it's not a big one that we need to play the jingle for. But I think of places like that we go to try to just get Wi-Fi and community. Mm -hmm. And for me, I would find myself, you know, the, the coffee shops are great. Hardy's. I'm going to be checking it out now. Um, but for me, I love Ikea. Oh, no. Like Ikea, man, oh. you can go lay on a bed. <laughs> like Nobody questions you at all. You have a computer, headphones, and you're like, I'm just going to be, you know, checking out this mattress and using your Wi-Fi for a couple hours. I'm just putting this out there. You, there needs to be a doubters club in an Ikea. So somebody start that. Let us know if you do. Write in. I love it. I'm telling you. I think it's. I think it needs to happen. We'll, I felt it in we'll my soul. We'll do your training for free if you start one in IKEA. Yes, I, I will comp the training because I just want to see it happen too. <laughs> yes. Okay. That's that's legit recorded, y'all. This is for real. I'm serious. It's gonna happen. It has to happen. happen. It has to happen. I want to see y'all eating meatballs and and sharing your. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see. It. I'll see the questions happening. <laughs> so let me reel it in here, <laughs> Preston. So you, this started when I was trolling on your website pretty hard and I'm like fascinated by mm. the work you do and the community you've built. So you moved into town and then you met this dude at a coffee shop, right? Is this how it all started or can you walk us through that? Yeah. So we moved to Denver. We originally wanted to start a faith community. Well, let me back up and just say, I went through a time in Bible college. I actually say I left the faith in Bible college which is so bizarre, wow. I understand. But the more I talk to people, the more I realize wow. it's actually not that unique of a story. And it's not the Bible mm -hmm. college's fault. It's not anyone's fault. And it's just 
the nature of questions and doubting. So I had mm-hmm. people, well-intentioned people who said, gosh, they told me things like sleep on the Bible. Okay. So get the word of God in your head. I'm talking at these like larger. Wait a minute. Like an actual physical yeah. sleep on the Bible. Like they said, well, wait a minute. I know. I wish I was joking, Candace. <laughs> I heard that was only the, what you have to do when you need a snow day. Oh, you sleep on your homework and you well, get a snow Apparently it's supposed day. to so heal your doubts too. Uh, oh, heal your yeah, doubts. So when I had all these questions, Whoa. so I had well-intentioned people. Now, may, maybe okay. it's because I slept on the NIV and not the ESV. I don't know, but I... It didn't do anything, as you can imagine. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, did you actually try it? Did you actually sleep on the Bible? I, feel like I need to like we're getting sidetracked again, Jenny. You know... This is important. I, this is important. Was, yeah, this is a good Did you do it? I was desperate. Yes, I did it. Okay? Ew. Wow. Wow. I was so desperate. You've just leveled this. up. Okay. You've leveled yeah, up. I think, mm-hmm. I feel like there's condemnation. We're talking about equalizing people, okay? No. So happening here... There's no, love. I love. I love your passion. I so do you're, too. So, yeah. so you're actually taking their advice yeah. and you're like, okay, I'm going to try yeah, I had this. all these questions. I was so, I, yeah. so my, I went from questioning to doubt to depression in a summer. And oh, I actually went wow. to wow. a doctor and said, you've got to find something wrong with me. I don't know what's going on. Mm. I don't believe anything. And, you know, they checked my thyroid levels and all that. Nothing was off. So I slept on the Bible. Nothing happened when I slept on the Bible, as you can imagine. And then they told me, listen to more worship music. Uh, Nothing happened there. Wow. And then I had, like, I think this was just the extreme. They prayed for me as if I was, like, demon-possessed by the the demon of doubt. You know, we cast out doubt. We cast out. And it was was just uh, spiritually traumatic for sure. But you can imagine how I go. Well, if this is what this thing is, I'm out. <laughs> you know, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not it. Yeah. So mm. we can jump into the backstory of how I returned into faith. It really was from someone who told me, "I don't care where you land as long as you're honest," and um, wow. someone who had confidence enough in the gospel to let me be honest and truthful, and had confidence enough in me as a person to equalize me and to say, "I, I have faith in you that you're going to be honest." And that took eight months. Came back to the faith. When we moved to Denver to um, start a faith community, we knew wanted to be for skeptics and and atheists. So I walk into this coffee shop and I said to this coffee shop owner, I have this like team of people that are helping me figure out which neighborhood we want to start a church in, you know? And my wife's back in Dallas, pregnant, like seven months pregnant with our second kid. So the pressure of like, hey, go find where we're going to live. I walk in this coffee shop. And uh, I asked the coffee shop owner, I said, hey, what kind of church do you go to? And uh, this is Denver, Colorado. And he laughs. He says, I don't go to church. And I said, oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> and he said, I said, well, what if you did go to church? I said, what if you, what kind of church would you go to if you did go to church? Because now I'm really intrigued. And he goes, no, you don't understand. I'm an atheist. And I said, oh, I said, you know, I used to not believe all this stuff either. And so then he's like bewildered as to why I believe now. And so we just start talking. And I said, look, I'll buy more coffee if you just answer the question. Um, (laughs) If you went to church, what kind of church would you go to? He said, well, 
I would go to a place that allows me to ask questions and doesn't judge me for thinking differently Mm -hmm. was the answer word for word. I mean, I've had the amount of times I've written that in my journal is a lot. So this, what he said, and then he goes, what's your name? And I said, Preston, and he's the atheist coffee shop owner. Okay. And I said, what's yours? He told me, and then he said, are you going to start a church in this neighborhood? And I said, I don't know. And he said, if it's that kind of church, I think you should. Wow. And I'm going, well, I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but how God usually speaks to me is not that clear. And I'm going, yeah, I think we should too. So Jenny, I just went to him months later. We hadn't talked. Um, There's an idea that I had about this thing that we could call Doubters Club. And I just sat down with him and said, hey, you know, when I walked in again, it's three months later, he said, Preston, he remembered me, you know, and I said, yeah. And he said, you didn't move here because of me, did you? And I said, (laughs) you know. (laughs) I love that. He's like, let's get this question out of the way. (laughs) And, you know, how do you tell an atheist? Well, it was you and the Holy Spirit. You can't do that. So I just said, I said, kind of. And so then we, (laughs) we talk and I said, hey, you said you would go to a place that doesn't judge you for thinking differently and allows you to ask questions. He said, that's right. I go, okay, what if we did something called a doubters club where you an atheist and me a Christian model friendship in front of everybody and pursue truth together? We try to teach that to people. And he gets really excited. I mean, it looked like he went Pentecostal. He grabbed the bottom of his chair and starts bouncing up and down like, yes. And he goes, I would love it. So as a guy starting a church, I go, I have no money, you know, and I go, well, where could we do that? You know, at the time I'm looking around this coffee shop that he owns and he goes, how about here? And I go, deal, let's do it here. And so we started it. It was about seven or eight people. And then it just grew and grew and grew. And then we had to multiply it. And now we train people to do that in different cities. Okay. There's some takeaways I have to pause on. Um, Preston, I know this story, but as I'm listening back, there's just a couple of new things that God just was highlighting to me that I'm like goosebumpy about. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, what the crap? Um, First of all, there's there's one thing about you just kind of trust and you're going to go plan a church mm. and you're going to go be like a new celebrity copy pastor. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I'm not saying that everybody's got that agenda, but literally that's what it feels like sometimes. It, you see a new church pop up in community and then you see them doing the exact same thing as the other church that's down the street four blocks from right. them. Same fog machine, same, you know what I mean? Same same light, same, same projector. And everybody looks the same when you walk in with their cute signs. I mean, it's just, it feels like, what are we doing that's different? And I don't just hear, oh, this is different. This is different. What I heard as you were explaining this story was you intentionally went to go plant a faith community, your words, a faith community for skeptics and atheists. Your agenda was to start something for people that don't even have faith. Right. In a very, very broad sense of that word, or feel as though their faith is strong. I think when we go out to start churches or to do a movement of God, we're so quick to be like, who's already just rocking and rolling that can come alongside me and be just amazing and awesome. And they're just, they're rocking in their faith too, because we need that encouragement as well. We Listen, this is a trait that I see of Jesus where he has a quiet confidence and security to go, you know what? I know what my, my goal is and it's to love. Mm-hmm. 
I think the question that I'm feeling out of all this is how do you gauge and measure success from the Doubters Club? Because it's one thing for you to be like, let's just start this up and get some people to get converted and get them to that positive 10 on the scale. Do you measure it in conversions or do you measure it in connections? It's a great question. I feel like you teed me up for the answer really well, but I, you know, it's not a (laughs) conversion therapy group. It's not a, it's not even Mm. some unique way of evangelism. Uh, To be honest, the most frustrated people that come are first semester seminary students. And they're like, wait, you didn't pray to open it and you didn't pray to close it. And I'm going, well, yeah, you know, you can gather without doing that. Yeah. Now, again, I like prayer. I love wow. prayer. I pray. We prayed together. We'll pray at the end of the podcast. Yeah. I believe in all this. But we're talking negative 10. So the way we get, uh, measure yeah. success is um, we tell, we call them pioneers, Towers Club pioneers. We tell them, hey, the most successful thing, the life cycle of a Doubters Club should last as long as it takes to become a lifestyle. And it's where the club, people are starting to invite people over. People are visiting each other in the hospital. I mean, it literally is, it creates the disciplines of Jesus um, before they start to step towards baptism, which by the way, is really fascinating that Jesus said, if you love me, you obey my commands. So we know something about what Jesus said, imitation of Jesus is actually movement towards him, not just immersion in the tank. And so when Whoa, hold up. Can we say that again? Sure. So because he said, if you love me, you obey my commands, we know that imitation to- of Jesus is movement towards him, not just immersion in the tank. So our goal is what if we wow. all started wow. acting more like Jesus? Because what that what by his own by his own words, his own confession, that means there's a affection for him that's being stirred. So we measure, I want to act more like Jesus. When when my friends start acting more, look, they may not even believe in him, but they're acting like him. Mm. What a grace to the world. What a grace to the world. And I'm just counting on Jesus's wor- words wow. that that means there's possibly an affection there. So that's how we measure success. Okay, Preston, I feel like I need counseling in this, in this moment. So uh, about... Uh, eight years ago, I moved to a new town, was making all these new friends. Diff- uh, some had faith, some didn't. And I started going to church and, you know, you get the community group, you find the people that you connect with and we're all hanging out. And I found out that a group of women were friends with this one girl for years, years and years. And she was going through all this trauma and we're talking about it. And not once in the development of the relationship did they ever actually share Jesus with her. And to me, I was like, well, that's the obvious solution. And they're like, oh, we're just doing life. We're just demonstrating things. And I and I felt like, well, you're missing a big part of it. So I'm asking this question not from a place of like, I have all the answers, but like what? I don't even know what my question is. Like, was my thinking wrong in thinking that they should mm. have told her about Jesus? No, it's not wrong at all. You know, I'll tell you what we learn. And again, we're still learning, Jenny. Um, yeah. We call them the five eyes, mm-hmm. and it's helped me answer your question because it there does seem to be these two camps, doesn't there, of going, when do we share our faith with people? Yeah. And other people going, yeah. well, you know, it's just, it'll come up when it comes up. 
and you go, it just, and nobody's trying to be intentionally like covert about their faith on one side and nobody's trying to shove Christianity down their throat on the other side. So here's what we've done. We actually say walk in this order, like go in the order of the five eyes. So the first one is uh, impression is the first one. Okay. So we're just talking about imitation. So the first one is impression of going, how is my impression with this person? So like if I'm talking to a neighbor and I'm going, hey, we should get mm. together sometime. Well, you say that six months in a row, like your mm. your word doesn't have any value. And so your impression, if your impression wow. is bad, work on your yeah. impression. That's what we tell people. Number two is your intention of going, okay, are there any ulterior motives? If there's, yes. if there's, there's a difference between Ooh. an ultimate motive and an ulterior motive. We all have ultimate motive. Even my, even my unbelieving friends, their ultimate motive is they're like, Preston, wow. we, we don't want you to be deceived into things. You know, that's their ultimate motive. Fine. My ultimate motive is I want everyone to know God and to be with me forever, with God and with me. I want to be with all of them, right? And, um, but ulterior right. motives say, I'll do this for you if you do this for me. And if we're having friendships with ulterior motives, like I'll be your friend and serve you as long as you convert later. Gosh, what a nasty thing. And so yeah. that's the intention. So first your impression, yeah. then your intention. Third is invitation. How do I invite them into life? Not to church. We're talking negative side of the scale. Okay. So how do I do yeah. that? Now, again, it's not saying church invites are bad. It just means you'll need to be at like, you're at least spiritually curious by that point. Okay. So there's, the leading of the spirit to gauge that, but invite into real life, which like today's Wednesday, Friday morning, I have a coffee with a guy from Doubters Club. He doesn't think like me at all. And so we're at the mm-hmm. invitation point and I go, hey, let's go to get coffee. So we're gonna make it a regular thing. It's just an invitation. Number four is initiation, where we initiate conversations that matter. Like this is actually, yeah. this is what you're talking about, Jenny, right? And now- yeah. If you jump to initiation mm, with so a good. terrible impression, with really bad intentions, and you've never done Whoa. life with them, just Whoa. like pump the brakes, right? Yep. That's going to do yeah. damage. I'm f- over yep. here flipping tables yep. like this. Oh, gosh. I love this. This is going to do damage. And so, so but if you mm-hmm. walk through, you're like, no, my impression's good. My intentions are pure. And by the way, that takes like, for me, like detoxing the intentions part takes a while. And then- I've invited them into mm-hmm. life. Okay, great. I can initiate. Mm-hmm. So we talk about books we're reading. We talk about movies. We talk about raising kids. We talk about Jesus. And then the fifth eye is what I just told you. It's imitation, not immersion. That we both together start wow. walking like Jesus. So even in, you know, you know recently, I've, Candace has been so kind to help me working on this Doubters Club book. I have to learn to put that into words of going, how do we how do we answer mm. what you're asking, Jenny? Because it's not just you. Every one of us, myself, is asking the same question. That process has been really helpful for us. Mm. You know what? I think you're tapping on a nerve that I didn't even know that we were going to hit right now. But I believe, listen, we're a faith podcast, yeah. unashamedly. 
Like, there's no hiding that. Our, our <laughs> title may fool some people otherwise. <laughs> you know, shut the shit up. People are like, oh, this is that. Um, but we don't we don't make any bones about it. We pray in every episode. We talk through scripture. It's not something that we're hiding or that we're trying to be covert in either. And that's just because we wanted it to be an overflow of the things that we're, we're really silencing in our lives that we've been taught maybe a certain way. And you're tapping on a nerve of the evangelical wave and movement mm. that I grew up in, you know, where it was very much so taught to us. Um, that evangelize, evangelize, evangelize. And it was all about going out and getting people saved and brought into the kingdom of heaven. And we always felt the gap between that and discipleship, mm. if I'm being honest. Like there was like, get as many as you can in, but then they're going to treat each other like garbage <laughs> for the rest of their lives because there's no discipleship behind it. So I'm with Jenny when you when you say that this is hitting a nerve in people to go, wait a minute, but are you sharing Jesus? Because it's so much training that was either subliminal or, you know, overt to the church when we were growing up. It, it, it was kind of like... I don't know if you remember, but there there were like crusades, the Billy Graham crusades. There were there were these moments where conversion was the highest pinnacle of your Christian faith. Like how many? Be, I remember being in a Bible study group um, as a as a teenager, um, being asked to go ahead and write it down on my offering envelope. Did you lead anybody to Jesus this week? How many oh, people wow. write the number? And I remember yeah. feeling like that was just jacked up, because I because in me as a teenager I was like. Oh crap! I have zero on my. I'm leaving mine blank. But over here, Sally, she's rocking it. She's got three friends, and yeah. she's more popular than me. She's more pretty than me. That's probably why. So now I have to level up my popularity and my prettiness. And it had nothing to do with loving or connecting with people. It turns it into a performance. Oh my gosh! It was it was it was riddled with performance, riddled with um, this false evangelism, like selling and peddling something that wasn't real, yeah. but it was a, a, yeah. a pill or magic fix. Um, and I feel like there are so many people that are hazy even coming out of that teaching, that they're looking for something that they can grasp to that says, I need authentic yeah. connection. And I need to be able to love people. But the fact that you even said it takes a while to detox your second step, the intentions. That's for you me. You said it takes a while to detox intentions. That's, that's for me, yeah. Well, yeah. But I'm, I'm sitting here wondering how many people identify with the fact that they even have intentions that are wrong because there's so much in us that is still going, unless they are led to Jesus, you've missed the mark. Yeah. You've missed the mark. And so I love what you're doing, not just because, ooh, it makes me fired up because I'm like, finally, somebody's breaking, breaking the cycle of what we were at mass, literally not like the service mass, like a Catholic mass, but like by and large, we're told and taught in this, I, I want to say it was like the 80s, 90s growing up in faith. It, it felt like such a huge dynamic push towards conversions and evangelism. And it's left a sour taste in many people's mouths, not just in yeah. the church, but especially outside the church. Um, I just want to ask you personally, because I need to know. <laughs> What are some steps you take to detox intentionalities and your intentions? Because here's where I think our listeners may identify. I know I identify. How do you detox something that you're not even aware of? That's a really emotional question for me, Candice, because um, how I became aware that I get stuck on step two is because I remember I was laying in bed one night trying to go to sleep. I was very frustrated. 
And uh, Lisa, my wife said, you know, what's going on? And I, I just told her, I said, this person, I'd been friends with this person who was, who was pagan. I, I think they would have called themselves a Satanist. I was friends with them. They used to come to um, the doubters club. And I said, I don't see any change happening. And, 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 uh, you know, as you're saying that you're like, well, of course you're okay. So you could see your attention. That's not when I realized it. I go, I don't see any change happening. At least I'm frustrated. And uh, she said, let me ask you, we have two daughters, Piper and Brennan. Piper's the oldest. She said, if Piper was an atheist and in a city, what would you do to have a believer just be one of their best friends? And I lost it. I said, I literally would pay that person's salary. Um, I mean, that's, that's because I didn't, I didn't have money coming <laughs> yeah. in. So that was the first thing that came to mind. And, um, <laughs> And she said, yeah, I don't think anyone else is having conversations with them that you are. And it was literally I, like the either it's just a few days after that, that the person said, I feel a peace in my life that I haven't felt before. And anyways, they, they ended up saying I, the words, I need to trust in Jesus. But this is oh. months of just going, nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. And I realized, so were you going to jump ship if nothing's happening? And that to me was like really emotional. It's even like, even now. And I just realized that is a tendency probably because of what I've been, what I've caught. I don't want to blame it on people who've taught that because I feel like that there's reasons that they caught it too, you know? And it's the, we just, it's like the conversion flu, you know, they're like, they coughed and I got it too. (laughs) So, so that's to me, I asked the question, if they don't, and then I just feel the blank. Okay. So if they don't follow through, if they don't come to church, if they don't, whatever it is, if they don't, will I still serve them with the same, like with the same passion? That is my detox. And I journal that. I actually write that down. Okay. I know it sounds weird. If so-and-so doesn't, because again, that's a fault of me that puts me on a pedestal if I'm not doing that and I'm looking down at people and go, if you don't get up here and I have to identify what the up here is. So what I'm trying to do is just to go, I'm not on a pedestal. There's no, there's no tower I'm in. So that's my process. Candace. I want to full circle this for just a second. I, I don't want to lose the thought. You basically for all of our listeners just went full circle moment. I think you're describing that moment with Lisa and your frustration being the exact moment that people felt in the crowd with Jesus when he said that the first person that thinks that they're without sin, go ahead and do it. I mean, you, you basically said, I, I got to come to the same level. I've got to equalize this moment. Yeah. I, man. Okay. Jenny, no, I'm sorry. I didn't I, want to forget that. I'm over here like holding back the tears because I find myself in this pattern of developing beautiful relationships with people. And then when, their should hits the fan, I'm like, I can only walk you through so far. And then I'm like out because you're too, mm. there's way too much going on in your life. And I'm trying to demonstrate the love of Jesus. And like, it, so I just feel that like, I have to repent and say, sorry, God. So I don't know if any of our listeners have felt that too. Like I've, I've isolated from relationship when I'm not seeing that change. 
Um, I've isolated because they're not doing what I think they should do. And it's not always about us. So Preston, can you pray over people that have just isolated because of it and haven't been, have had intention in relationship when it's been unhealthy? Can we just pause right here and take a moment to pray? Because I don't know if people are responding the way I was, but I was almost over here like, oh, like, yeah, you know? Sure. Well, and I'll just yeah, say this. I am in that crowd. Okay. It is a detox. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, Father, thank you for Jesus. And we're just so thankful that God, you put on, you put on like just this flesh that immediately made you one of us. We're so grateful for that. And we just ask you help us to put on the flesh of others and to be able to put ourselves in their shoes and to be able to be as compassionate and love um, as you have done to us. And this is how the world will know that we're your disciples by the way we love one another and God forgive us, all of us, those listening, um, those who will be talked to from the listeners and help us to rebuild the impression that ultimately we're representing you with the people who don't know you. So forgive us, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I just had to get that out of the way, but I want to, I want to share, get that out of the way. Thank you. That, that was like a moment that I had a moment with Jesus there. So she was like, can you pastor me through this? I need to be pastored right now through everything that you just said. And I'm feeling, and I feel like it's, it's so good to pause in those moments, Jenny, because I think a lot of people are just listening. And when we start talking through conversations, it feels like, oh, well, I just left here feeling like I should love people better. And I don't want that for our listeners. And I felt like that was a good, that was a good signal from the Holy Spirit for us. I want to, I want to discuss about the topics you guys vote on. I pulled this from your website. Here are some of the questions. Can science and religion work together? Is God a moral monster? I love these. Um, What would make you, you change your mind? Wait. There's one on sexual sexuality. What would make you change your mind? So Preston, what have you guys been talking about lately in your club? Or is that totally confidential? Oh, it's not confidential. No, we, we, I had a guy, I had a guy text me last night. Uh, he, is this, he went to the first hours club last time and he goes, can I invite friends? I said, yes, you can, like, you can invite friends. Um, but he's not a believer. You know, he's like, I don't know the, um, I don't know what the etiquette is. Okay, so what are we been talking about? Our next one, which is next weekend, is what's your motive for doing good? Uh, that was voted on. That was overwhelming majority wanted to vote. Want to talk about that? One of the ones in Albuquerque, they talk about one of like the favorite ones I've heard them talk about was um, how do you go through suffering? I mean, if you, I mean, oh. what an incredible thing to hear from people who don't follow Jesus and people who do follow Jesus. And then it kind of ended like this, wow. like, Hey, we should, however you do that, we should all be doing that together. Shouldn't we? I mean, it's powerful. That's wow. like an amazing community. Um, it's been all kinds of stuff like that. I, I know a, one that comes up often would be hell thoughts about hell. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. praying that, that you guys don't ask me like, so let's talk about all these, you know, in this podcast. So there's all <laughs> these different ones. Um, I think, I think that it's just so fun because I intentionally don't, um, I cast a vote, but I don't put forward a topic because I know I probably have a bias. Wow. And so it's more fun to not do that. Oh, how many pastors would be willing to do that for their Sunday agenda? <laughs> I mean, service. What should I, I mean, preach on? <laughs> <laughs> do, you, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. From it's, you, it's, what are you? What are you curious about, man? Sure. And I'm not. Listen, I'm not dissing pastors right now. I felt like that was so disrespectful. I just feel like I'm somebody that is now yeah. stepping in a space of teaching and preaching and being able to write mm. books. And it's it's a luxury, if I'm being honest. It's a luxury mm-hmm. to be able to to pull your topic, and for you to just say, mm-hmm. "I want to hear from your heart and what matters." It, it first of all, it just it speaks a lot of your ego and the lack thereof, and it well, speaks a lot of your love. So I just want to well, say thank you for thanks. being that person. Yeah. Well, we need a lot more. You're giving people in the world. a voice. <laughs> well, it's like an unsaved congregation picking the sermon series. I so it's like really fun. <laughs> 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 yeah. So Jenny, those are some of the topics. I have a question that I feel like I'd be amiss if we didn't have you answer your thoughts on this. Um, you call it Doubters Club. You even made a reference here earlier in the show where you were saying that in your personal struggle and and how you said you lost your faith in Bible college, um, that you had people praying for you almost like to be released from a demon because you had doubts. I'm just going to ask you a baseline question. This is for our Christian fam. This is for us that have been in church a while. Do you believe doubting is demonic? Not at all. No. So... Yeah. Let me just say, wow. I think faith is impossible without doubt. I think that the enemy of faith is not doubt, it's certainty. I mean, when you think about what faith takes, oh, certainty oh, is the killer. Yeah. Doubt yeah. Is, like, is the beautiful sister of faith. So no, no, it's not demonic. Wow. Um, for those of y'all that just maybe felt like the two by four go against your face, like it did mine, the, the proverbial one, uh, I just want to encourage you. I feel like God wanted me to ask that question because there's probably a lot of people that listen in that doubt. There's probably a lot of people right now that feel as though they're even sinful in their doubting and in their questioning. And I just want to just say right now, what you heard is the most beautiful redeeming answer to that question. You know, when you were even talking about our intentionality, I started thinking about doubting Thomas in scripture. <laughs> like, how do we, how do we think about doubting Thomas every time we've heard him preached on? That was his flaw, right? We're like, well, he, you know, he, he was the doubter. Yeah, that was, you know, his downfall. His downfall was being doubtful. And I love the fact that you're giving this freedom and shutting down a should, well, I should not have questions. <laughs> I shouldn't question this. I actually feel like there's so much freedom in the questions, in the doubt, in the searching, in the seeking. And we'd all do so much better to have an open forum, an open place filled with those five eyes. My goodness, Preston, I'm going to be holding on yeah. to those five eyes for like yeah. how I parent, how I how I mm-hmm. um, relate to my husband even. You know, I, I think um, how I especially not just strangers, but the people that I, I love mm-hmm. in my life. Am I even mm-hmm. doing that? Do you know what I mean? Like, like, am I aware of my impressions mm-hmm. with those that are in my mm-hmm. living room? You know, I think we get so con- concerned with trying to um, play mm-hmm. Jesus yeah, instead right. of portray mm-hmm. Jesus. Wow. And um, I think yeah. this hits a lot of us today. I my uh, old pastor from my old church is taking people through the Bible for the year and he's teaching on it. And the other week he was like, I can't believe you guys don't have more questions. If you're like actively studying the Bible and trying to learn more about Jesus, you should be riddled with questions because it's so complex. So would you consider like having questions 
the same as uncertainty and doubt, or are those two different streams of thought? Yeah, I think they're the same. I think having questions and doubts are the same. I think unbelief is okay. different. You know, un- unbelief oh, cool. would be would be like I have it's the certainty on the opposite end. It's the I have certainty this is not so. And so that's where a lot of the scriptures that speak of unbelief and there's a rebuke tone to it. Um, it it's it's because Ooh, it's because whoa. it's like it's still okay. certainty. Yep. I mean you you have to you just whoa. have to find that look, I'm absolutely cer- I know it's gonna look, I'm sorry. I don't want any yep. I don't want anybody to unsubscribe from your podcast because of this, okay? But <laughs> do okay. it i want you to be okay. dead right. maybe so the hype i don't even I'm know what's coming absolutely certain about nothing even the house i'm sitting in right now if you told me are you absolutely certain that the roof's not going to fall on you how how can i prove that i have no way to prove that what i do in all things is i commit based on the confidence i have in the face of uncertainty right so with our house the same thing when I got married to Lisa, if someone said, are you absolutely certain everything's going to work out? Well, no. How am I going to know that? But what I do is I commit based on the confidence I have in the face of uncertainty. So it's the same whenever it comes to um, faith in God. It's so weird. We don't need certainty in any other area of our life unless it's with God. And you're like, are you kidding me? You can't even see him. Wow. <laughs> like, I, You can't even see God. But what if we treat wow. it the same wow. way as our spirits are already wired? We're wired to commit in the face of uncertainty based on confidence. So I have confidence in the resurrection. I think that's the way scripture talks about the Christian story. Based on the confidence of the resurrection, I can commit. I can commit in the face of uncertainty. That's why I think certainty is the killer of faith. And it's also the motivator for unbelief. My word. I don't want to, I, I don't want to cheapen this moment, but I'm, I'm telling you, I have not been able to get out of my head the song um, this morning. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, it's one of those, um, once you hear it, it gets stuck. And I'm wondering why it's becoming such an anthem of the church right now. And I think that you described it beautifully. That song aspires confidence to a belief that he is more than what we can see is certain. (laughs) And when we sing that song in churches, when we wake up with that song in our head, when we think about that song, it evokes in us a faith. It, It builds within us a confidence because we're speaking out into what we really, really hope you are. We really, really hope you are the way maker. We really, really. And then it turns into, well, man, I don't just hope it. I believe it. Yes, you are. And that confidence develops Mm -hmm. in that face of uncertainty. And my goodness, I think that you're describing perfectly what we experience in worship services, what we experience in discipleship groups Mm -hmm. on a daily basis, but we don't have language for. Language for a lot of things. Okay, I have to just ask a theological question. So are we? (laughs) Well, that's the end of the podcast. (laughs) The (laughs) last. No, the last time you guys, the last thing you said, I'm like, can we pause, flip it, or reverse it? I just want to yeah. download the whole thing you said again and like pray on that for weeks because it yeah. was so loaded and like yeah. wisdom and okay, but I had my wheel spinning. So, are we confident in the sovereignty of God? Mm. Yeah. So, 
let's go let's go theology i oh, no. i believe don't say oh no can't i believe that the that the greatest confidence we have is in the resurrection okay it's that jesus died and rose from the grave mm-hmm. so this would this is a way to say it and then i'll i'll I'm going to answer your question. I just need to go back. However you said it, flip it and reverse okay. it. I know that's a song. I I feel like I shouldn't know the other words to that song. Okay, so. <laughs> or maybe you should. Uh, <laughs> we are not shutting that shit up. <laughs> so here's, here's how I would say it. I believe in the Bible because I believe in Jesus. I don't believe in Jesus because I believe in the Bible. So what that means is because I believe in Jesus and he rose from the dead, and that's a confidence I have. There are reasons for that. You know, there's historical evidence, all that stuff. There's reasons for that. Everything Jesus therefore said, I now have to have confidence in. Because whatever power at B just affirmed that man. <laughs> okay. If you don't raise from the dead, it doesn't really matter what you said. But now that he came back, right. it's like, oh, I should pay attention. And because he quotes most of the books of the Old Testament, I think except for two, he he then affirms the Old Testament. So I go, okay, then therefore I have to affirm the Old Testament, right? So I believe in the Bible because I believe in Jesus. The sovereignty of God is something that Jesus speaks on, that he participates in, that he talks about, all those things. Because he rose from the grave, I can have confidence in that. So again, my confidence goes all the way back to the resurrection, and, there, and that's why things that Jesus doesn't affirm, doesn't speak on, all those things, I go, well, those just, yeah, those are interesting conversations. I just don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. Mm, yeah. And oh. so that's why, yes, the sovereignty of God to me, when, it talk, when Jesus talks about, if you see me, you've seen the Father, and then he speaks on behalf of the Father that this is the right timing. He speaks about what is to come. He predicts his own death, all these sorts of things. I go, okay. I can trust. Yeah, I'm going to have questions. That's fine. That's part of faith. But I can trust that because he rose from the dead. Oh, Preston, I'm just like obsessed with the Doubters Club and <laughs> the way you communicate. And yeah. like, yeah. you have such a gentle and kindness spirit about you. And I appreciate you yeah. coming on. And um, I think we could all be better at this. But what about the ones that are like, I'm ready. I'm in. I want to start a doubters club. Yeah. Well, we would love to see you start one. And if you start one in Ikea, you get your doubters club comps. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Open you remembered. I remembered. Hey, listen, you know what's going to happen? Everybody's going to start them in Ikea now. I'm going to be like, uh oh. Okay. Ikea is going to be like, what's the crap's going on? The legal legal drama Mm -hmm. of that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, first, no, first person, first person that starts at Ikea right, wins the right. free training. Yes, the okay. first one. And I'll, I'll throw in a Simple Joys, a copy of Simple Joys okay. and a copy of Laugh It Up. Jenny, I'm waiting for you. We got to sweeten this. Oh, we I gotta... don't have anything. For... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'll get my book. Yes, courageous, creative, and I'll sing you a song. I love that it. That won't be oh, good. That's so I love fun. it. You'll enjoy it. So it's if so they good. want to start Doubters Club, you just go to the doubtersclub.com and, um, and there's a place that says start your own Doubters Club. You click on it. And you just register for the next um, the next training. The training is five weeks. It's, we do it Zoom. It's an hour a week, and we walk through the five eyes. But that's only one week. You know, we actually talk about the first week's called Death to Tribes and Biases. 
when we talk about Ooh. how you're. God, I just want to join this teaching, like <laughs> for real. Sorry. I got so excited. So okay. anyways, we talk about things like so your brain, the psychology of your brain is to have in groups and out groups. Well, how do you, how do you kill that? Mm. How do you rewire mm. your brain? Wow. And um, so we do five weeks after the five weeks, they can launch a doubters club or we just say, look, if you want to live doubters club as lifestyle, we have a person going through it right now that says, I just want to know how to connect to my husband better. We go, mm. great. Yeah. She goes, we're going to have yeah. a doubters club together with our neighbors. And we're going to start that way. And I go, yes, great. We have you do that. Yeah. It's the doubtersclub.com. I was about to say, if you're not aware um, of who Preston Ulmer is, this is the best introduction that you can have to him. Aside from meeting him in a coffee shop and starting a doubters club together. Um, I would say follow along with who he is. What's your Instagram handle? At PT Ulmer. Last name's U-L-M-E-R at PT Ulmer. Um, and here's the other deal. I, I was telling Jenny before Preston even came on here, I was like, we're getting him early. I was like, we're getting him early. I feel like God's about to expand his, his reach and, um, really bring him to a place that's elevated that he didn't even see possible. Hadn't even dreamed up for himself. And so I, I encourage you, I want you to start following along. I know that he said, and I, I don't know how much we can share of anything, but there, there's a possible book in the works. You're going to want to be a part of his launch team. You're going to want to support him in that process when he starts putting out information about it. So start following now, follow early, because it's a gift right now to be able to follow along with Preston's life, with his call, with who he is just in his humble spirit. So I would just encourage you um, do that along with starting a doubters club in an Ikea. So <laughs> you're very kind. Kid. Yeah. I, that's very kind. Thank you. I'll just let you write my bio. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there it is. Just take it. Transcript that moment. Say it. Got it. Yep. Approve. Thank you. Check mark. Thank you. Hey, let's pray. I've, been thinking a lot this episode. I feel like you draw that out of people that it just gets stuck in their brain being like, wait a minute, what about this? What about this? And it's so good. So I know one thing I've been stuck on is the relationships that I should be equalizing in my life and oh. paying attention to. And we want to um, take another prayer break to end the show. And Preston, however you feel led, can you pray for our listeners, um, that we're able to just see the relationships that God's inviting us to equalize and step into that confidently. Yeah. Can you just pray however you feel led? Sure. Well, Father, I, I actually feel like, um, I feel like there's probably a lot of people. And again, I'm in that, I'm in this group. We just feel the spiritual pressure of having to quote unquote, close a deal. And that is not, that doesn't speak the language of love. It doesn't speak the language of freedom for us. That's bondage. And I just ask that you would free us, free us to be like Jesus. Oh, what a, what a great thing to be able to walk mm. like you, Lord, and talk like you and love like you because we've received it from you. And so Jesus, help us to know when you washed Judas's feet, knowing what was going to happen, you still washed with the same passion. And I pray you'd help us to do that. Help mm -hmm. us to be able to do that to our friends and even to ourselves, to be able to know what it is to love ourselves without this ulterior motive of we have to, have to, have to get better. And God, I think through that, we will look like you and more people will actually follow you through that. So let there be freedom for us and freedom for our friends and just relieve the spiritual pressure in Jesus name. Amen. 
Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Cool. This is so fun. I Just so you know, I have a ton of questions still. So uh, you all are very kind, but I'm still wrestling <laughs> through all this. I just appreciate you bringing me on. Man, uh, we are the ones that's really been honored. And I couldn't couldn't agree with the Holy Spirit more when he brought you to mind that this was exactly what we needed for this season and for this episode. And and I just wish we had like nine hours to talk. And you're one of those <laughs> that you know. I love you and Lisa and your girls oh, and thank you. appreciate you so much. Well, we love you too. Thank you so much. Yeah. Today we've talked about Jesus as a great equalizer. And we saw that in action at Open Arms Village in Kenya. Jesus sees the value of these precious children who are passed by and overlooked by everyone else. His love and the care of people who love him have made all the difference. Yeah, if you want to help these vulnerable children experience the hope of the gospel and the love of a family, you can find more at openarmsinternational.org. Shut the should up, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. To share your should, call 315-308-0163. And you may be featured on an upcoming episode. If you've been inspired to stop shooting yourself, head over to iTunes and write a review and just give us all the stars. If there's one thing you're going to should yourself with, you should subscribe to our show so you don't miss an episode. See you next time.